Jen and Addie are traveling, and I pray that they get some good medical uh, information, results, and help along the way. Just protect them, bring them back safe. But Lord, help us this morning as we look into your word. Um, thank you that thankful that you are a God who does care. And uh, God, give us faith. Help us to keep sailing even in the fog. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As I read the scripture, the Spirit lovingly rebuked me in verse number five, where Jesus says to them, without me, you can do nothing. Now I said to myself, but Lord, haven't you commanded me to do many things? <laughs> can I, I, I spent a lot of time this morning uh, in, in the Bible uh, explaining and demonstrating to you the things that we are to do. Let me give you just a couple quick examples. Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially them that are the household of faith. So do good things to everybody, especially other Christians in your church. 2 Timothy 4.5, but watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of evangelist. So you better out there, you need to be witnessing out there and do the work of the evangelist. How about Philippians 2.14? This is an easy one. Uh, do all things without murmuring and disputings. <laughs> if you didn't fail on the first two, you just did. Um, I want to tell you this morning, this is what God says you were to do. Don't grumble, don't complain, you know, a bunch of whiners, you know, quit it. Um, don't do it. And, and I, you know, I think it's pretty clear, right, scripturally, I don't think I need to give you a, a total background every one of those verses for you to understand what God is saying there. And I could go on and on, and I thought to myself, individually, and also as a church, I'm like, God, what are we to do? Are we supposed to witness? Yeah. Should we be light and salt in our community? Yeah, in other words, you know, should we, uh, should we battle to protect our kids from gross immorality in our public libraries? Yes, we should. You know, you know, I was telling somebody, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not. Some of you give me this. I was thinking this, uh, Will and all you people involved in this, I was thinking this was on the cruise ship, you know, because um, they, they want to say to us that we're about book banning and, you know, you bunch of censorship people. And I'm like, yeah, you better censor some things out of your life. Um, but I thought to myself, you know, you're not going to find, well, you might find a few more lovers of the Second Amendment than me, especially in this church. But you'd look hard to find somebody who likes the Second Amendment better than I do, all right? I'm a big fan of it. But I got to tell you, I don't leave or hand my two-year-old a loaded nine-millimeter. Nine hey, walk around the house with this. It's not appropriate. And all we're asking is that we have some city councilmen that have a little guts and these people coming in from outside our community, you know, I tell them, get out. We don't want your immorality in our libraries. If I had it my way, matter of fact, I think we're already compromising more than we ought to be, you know, by just saying all we're asking is to move them. And that's what it's come to today, that we're considered extremists just because we want to put, you know, immorality books that are just, I mean, apparently the city council doesn't even want you to hear in their own meetings, but it's okay to read them to the three-year-olds and five-year-olds in the library. I guess that's their drag show. That's okay. And yet, we are called to be salt and light. We Christians need to wake up and do something. Should we be busy raising and rearing our children is the correct word? Yes. There's a lot of doing that we ought to be involved in and the bible is very very clear but you know the lord reminded me when i was meditating on these verses in john 15 5 that he says without me ye can do nothing 
That's the phrase that caught me. I'm like, what do you mean? I got all these things I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm a pastor of a church, you know, things are happening. People are getting saved and people, we're getting folks that are visiting and new programs are going on. We got this to do and that to do. And I think God wanted to remind me of that old saying, I don't think it's necessarily new, that our faith and our walk with the Lord Jesus is more about being than doing. As John 15, as Jesus teaches his disciples here, it's about abiding in the vine. And I did a lot of meditating on this. I just sat there and kept thinking about this. And um, again, I'm going to throw a statement out there to you. That's from, I know a lot of my theologians out here. I, you know, I, I just, I, I like this statement. Maybe, maybe it's incorrect. Uh, Brock, you can correct me later. You'll be wrong, but you can give me your opinion. Um, think about this. Doing without being is flesh. But being and then doing is spirit. Think about that. Doing without being is flesh. In other words, if I do even a right thing, all my righteousness is a filthy rags. That the flesh is capable of looking really good. And again, as you all know, that's one of my problems a lot of times with rule-based Christianity is, you know, guys like me can tell you everything you ought to do, what you ought to wear, where you ought to go, and there's all these rules, and as long as you, you stay in the rules, you know, oh, look at him, he's spiritual. You can do a lot of that garbage and be one of the most wicked, vile, immoral people that are on the planet. But when we are abiding and being connected to the vine, and then what we do comes out of that, that is what the Bible talks is spirit-produced fruit. And you know, sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes even myself, my flesh is so strong, I'm like the Apostle Paul, I want to do the right thing, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, and what I want to do, I don't do, and, and, and it's difficult. But fruit is produced as it just abides in the vine. Fruit is produced as it just abides in the vine. In other words, it just sits there. Just like you guys this morning. You're just sitting there doing nothing. Some of you aren't even listening. Oh. Now, it receives the nutrients from the vine, and then it begins to change. As it gets those nutrients, guess what? It begins to do. Things begin to chain. Now, I studied this a little bit. I'm no horticulturalist. As a matter of fact, that's my good friend Lori down there. But you don't want me. If you're gone, I'll watch your dogs, not your cats, but I'll watch your dogs. Uh, well, no, I won't. Actually, I'm not volunteering for that. So you have dogs. I'm not interested to watch your dogs either, really. But, but you don't want me to watch, feed you. Hey, could you water the plants? That's a death wish on your plants. I'm just telling you. But I studied this a little bit, and I found out that before, specifically with the vine and with grapes, before the grape is formed, there's a flowering phase first. So you have the branch that goes into this flowering phase and then eventually you end up with the grapes, but it comes first. But what's interesting is eventually that flower fades, and as I read, some say because maybe the change in the temperature as it gets into the fall and the cold, or sometimes if it's very windy, it just it's that time, it'll last for a little while, then it kind of blows off. And from that very small, where it detaches, there's a hard little bud that appears, and from that, multiple grapes apparently begin to grow. Now, I thought about that, and I saw, wow, what a great picture of the Christian life. When, when you first get saved, especially if you get saved as an adult, 
If you got saved at 25, 30, 35, and you lived a lot of your life away from God, and then you, you found faith and you realized, you know, this, this way is not working very well, and you turned to Christ for eternal life, and, and, you know, things began to change, there's this flowering fade phase. And it's an essential time. As a pastor, I love it when I see someone like that, and they get saved, and they see everything in life now from a different perspective than they ever have. And everything looks great, and they come to church, and they'll tell me, hey, pastor, this is the greatest church there ever was. I'm going, oh, just, oh, Lord, when the flowering phase is over, probably going to hear a different message. It's an essential time, but you walk around, and it's like going, la, 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 la. Everything is great. Look at everything. Oh, boy, it's all new. I'm, I'm forgiven, and, and things are changing in my life drastically. I'm not doing this anymore. My relationships are changing. Maybe, you're, maybe you have a marriage that all of a sudden is, is, is changing or a, any kind of relationship, and, and things are going on, and, and, and it just seems so great. And in some respects, the Christian life just seems so easy. But those of you who have been believers and live the walk of faith a while know that the seasons come where the wind blows and the cold comes the problems in life at home come at work at church your prayer life becomes more dry you don't have the feelings you once had and the adversary very subtly begins to draw you away from the vine now don't miss this what what generally happens here is one of two things Many times, this is where a Christian will, is, is the peril of the soils. They're legitimate, they're saved, but the cares of this world draw them away and they quit on God. They say, you know, I thought this was the greatest thing and boy, I'm discouraged that God's going to answer my prayer and I don't feel like I used to feel. And little by little, they draw away and they, they don't live their faith anymore. But there's another group of people that say, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do now, I like these people better faster. <laughs> just, just kidding. But we begin to look at our faith as performance and results and, and measuring it all that way and, and those drives to perform and let everybody think, oh, look at how Christian or boy, this is, I, I got to do this. And we, it, 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 it's just something that we, we feel this complete obligation and that all we're doing, and it, it's just duty all the time. It's a dangerous position. Now, don't misunderstand me. By definition, when the flower phase goes over, if you don't have any commitment and you don't overcome feelings and stuff and you don't, say, have some sense of duty and integrity, that's essential. I, I am not minimizing that. What I'm trying to tell you, though, is if that is how your faith is founded, it's founded on the performance and the doing instead of on the abiding and the being, that is very, very dangerous. Unfortunately, I think that's the kind of person that's going to get to heaven. And when the Bible talks about the judgment seat of Christ and the fire comes and tries what you do, a lot of that's going to burn up. Now remember, Jesus is talking to believers here. If you read John 15, there's a lot of guys that like to take this passage and talk about, well, when you don't let the takes, he purges the vine, throws it in the fire, it means hell. Fire doesn't always represent hell. Fire can represent judgment, temporal judgment, or as I just mentioned, at the judgment seat of Christ, there's going to be regret. There's different things there, but Jesus told them in verse number three, now ye are clean. 
he already identified to all of them he's talking to, you are believers. He's not, he's not questioning whether they're legitimate in terms of their faith and belief in him. They're, he's considering and encouraging them how they live in their, and walk in their faith with him. Now, I know a lot of you might be thinking, well, how do I abide? And I wrestle with this too. You know, the fruit is doing something. It is changing. It does grow so, you know, I don't, isn't it a miracle? I mean, I don't understand all this stuff. Again, I'm not a horticulturist, but it is a miracle. You put a little seed in the ground, put a little, you know, all of a sudden you get this flower. The flower falls off this little hard bud that's, you know, really hard, and no one wants to eat that. But if you get enough time, you know, whatever, all of a sudden you have this really tender, juicy grape. Mmm, right? Anybody like grapes? Okay, green grapes, purple grapes, pur- purple grapes. Resveratrol is in there. It's really good for you, I guess. Um, but amazing from all that gets that. So it does do something. Uh, the Greek word for abide is the Greek word meno. And it, it literally just means to remain. Just stay. Boy, there's a lot of truth in that in people in the walk of faith. Sometimes you just have to Stay. Abide. Stay connected to Jesus. And it's amazing in John 15 how many times this, this word, mano, is used throughout this passage. Now, I'm going to read really quickly here for, with you in, in John 15, beginning in verse number 4, where we find that word first, abide. Um, in verse 4, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide, not in me. He is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it will be done unto you. Here is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. Wow. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. When he says continue there in your King James, guess what the Greek word is? Mano, abide. So I have loved you abide ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. There it is again. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that your joy might remain in you. Guess what that Greek word is? Abide. That your joy might abide in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. He goes on and tells them that he'd called them friends and then in verse 16, ye have not chosen me but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should Go and bring forth fruit, and your fruit should remain. It should abide, mano. That whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Wow. Stay connected to Jesus. Abide. He tells them it over and over again. And he says, how do you do it? Well, in verse 7, he says, my word's got to abide in you. The word of God and and uh, immersing your mind with God's word is the way you stay connected to the Lord. In verses 9 and 10, he says, abide in my love. Matter of fact, in verse 9, 10, and throughout this passage after abide, the next big key is love. Love one another. Love me. Abide in my love. Love is critical in the life of the believer if you want to abide. Verse 11, abide in my joy. So I thought to myself, we should immerse ourselves in the Word of God, never forget that God loves me, and let God's joy be full in my life. You should have God's Word, you should be secure in love, and you should be a happy person. I'll tell you what, a lot of Christians, 
You know my saying, sometimes some of you folks that say you're believers would just please tell your face. <laughs> you don't seem to know that. Or everything in your life is negative. <laughs> you are not abiding in Christ when you live in a constant state of a lack of joy. Because when you're abiding in Christ, when your relationship with Jesus is, is there and you're just remaining, one of the products of it is joy. Now, one of the things I love about the cruise is I get more time to just personally feed myself um, and just spend time alone. When I evaluate different ships that I want to be on, the key thing for me is I want to be able to find places where I can see the water and I can be left alone. Haven't made one of our shirts yet, Lori, that says, do I look like I want to talk to you? You know, I... <laughs> I need to have Allie make me one of those. I would wear it on the cruise ship. I would literally do it. Um, do I look like I want to talk to you? I do not. I want to be left alone. And I get my headphones on, and I particularly like to listen to praise and worship songs, even though sometimes in church I'm not always the biggest advocate because I know the criticism. Well, they say the same thing over and over again. Have you ever, ever read the book of Psalms? The book of Psalms says the same thing over and over. You ever read the book of Revelation that talks about, and Isaiah talks about around the throne of God? They're gathered around, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, 24-7. So for some of you stick in the muds, there's some biblical principle there. And you say, why do we need to hear something over and over and over again? Well, I can tell you as a former high school English and uh, Bible teacher, I can tell you one thing, that uh, <laughs> it, 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 repetition is the key to learning. And you might say, oh, I know that, but do you? Or do you know it, but there's not application? Sometimes I need to tell myself something over and over. And when I'm on the cruise and I got my headphones on and I might be in some place all alone and I'll be laying there in the, hopefully one of those really comfortable chairs looking out over the water. And sometimes, honestly, uh, Jenny comes up to me and she, I can tell when I'm in trouble because she's shaking her head because I have forgotten that because I have my headphones on that just because um, I can't hear myself doesn't mean everybody else can't hear me. <laughs> I kept thinking of people walking by me wanting to go, man, that looks like a nice guy. Let's talk to him. Um, I think they're all walking by going, hope he doesn't sing for a living. Um, <laughs> but man, I was singing. I, 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 I get some praise and worship stuff. By, uh, uh, I don't know what, I don't know everything about her, but I like some of her music. Her name's Charity Gale. Anybody heard of Charity Gale? I'm curious. I like Charity Gale. She, she sings a song, A New Name Written Down, which is a take on the old classic. And, and, and the lyrics say, I was lost in shame, could not get past my blame until he called my name. I'm so glad he changed me. Darkness held me down, but Jesus pulled me out and I'm no longer bound. I'm so glad he changed me. See, I'm now a new creation in Christ. The old has gone. There's a new life. I live by faith and not by sight. There's a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Yes, it's mine. I've met the author of my story and he's mine. Yes, he's mine. Sin had left me blind, but Jesus opened my eyes. Now I see the light. I'm so glad he changed me. Now I'm walking free. I've got the victory. See, it's all over me. I'm so glad he changed me. Oh, that's good stuff. The end of her song... They get into those classic ones where they say something over and over again and I think it's something I needed to hear because I just kept thinking, wow, what? I don't, do I like this? And the more I listen to it, I go, you know, I think there's some truth in this. 
And I had uh, Pastor Danny actually made my slides this morning. Um, I think it's the next one, Caleb. I, I hope it is. Yep. Um, I am who I am because the I, I am tells me so. Tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. How's that for a word twister? All right. I am who I am. I, we're going we're gonna to do a little black church this morning. All right. My, one of my best friends, Brother Mike Kelly. Mike, if you're watching this, which I know you are because you take my sermons and preach at your church because mine are better than yours. Um, many of you know Mike Kelly, uh, my brother from another mother. But a um, little black church here this morning. In other words, you guys come. Sometimes the problem with us Baptists is we come to the worship service instead of coming and actually worshiping. There's a difference. And sometimes I think we could use a little more interaction. So here we're going to do. I'm going to say the phrase, and you say it after me, all right? I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. God is full of mercy and compassion. God is full of mercy and compassion. God is my refuge. Oh, you got it. No, you got it. God is my refuge. There you go. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. You know, I'm convinced most Christians don't really believe that. Because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things about me that I don't like. Some of the choices I've made. And we need to learn how to abide in the vine. You need to find some good, solid music or Bible study and immerse yourself in it. And I know for you moms, especially stay-at-home moms or moms that are dual, you know, you have a job, you're raising children, it, it is really hard to find that quiet time. But I would encourage you, whether it's late at night, early in the morning, you've got to find time to hear from God to be reminded that God tells you who you are because the great I am says that's who you are. The great I am says you are holy. You are forgiven. You are in the beloved. You are to the praise of his glory. You are declared righteous. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. That's what you are. You are loved. My, 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 how that would change us. Boy, Jesus is coming again. Happy Rosh Hashanah. Made it through another Rosh Hashanah. Um, normally, I preach on the Jewish festivals this time of year, um, but didn't feel led to do it this year. But I will tell you, last night, I was laying there going, okay, Lord, it's Rosh Hashanah. Wait to that final trumpet of the Jewish ceremony. And uh, would you please sound that trumpet? I am ready. I sent Jenny, uh, she, she was over with Allie, and I sent her a text saying, hey, if I don't see you when you come back, I'll meet you in the clouds. Um, you know, look for me. I'll be on that big cloud. Uh, <laughs> probably the one where the Lord said, hide him over in that thick cloud over there. Probably why. Just rest. Rest in the truth of the things that you just said. Remain in it. Abide in it. That's what Jesus meant when John 15 and verse 16 where he says that this statement that you read this and we read it as Christians and we go, oh, it never works for me, where, where Jesus said to his followers in verse 16 that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it you. 
Whatsoever you ask in the Father's name, you'll give you. Ever, you have people say that? You ever prayed something and God didn't give it to you? I have. More than once. Problem is, sometimes we want to take what Jesus said and we, we just want to use a pretext, not a context. I don't know, Pastor Danny knows all these big words. We don't want to do it right. We don't want to take it in its, what, the, the context and the truth in which it is given. This is not teaching that God is just our heavenly genie up there, that whenever you want something, you just pray for it, and, and then when you don't get what you want, we get all miffed at God and say, well, God, well, you know, off we go in our little self-righteousness. In the story or in this context, Jesus has just given the, the, the description of who everybody is, that God is the owner of the vineyard, the fruit, he owns everything, that Jesus is the vine, that we are the branches and ought to produce fruit. Matter of fact, he goes on to say we are ordained. By the way, we were not ordained to be saved. Don't let these Calvinists tell you that God just chose some to go to hell and some to go to heaven. No, we were ordained to bear fruit. That's what we were ordained. God said, the people that are my chosen people, this is what they should do. They should ordain fruit. That's the whole point of John 15. If we did it automatically, why does Jesus even bother saying this? It doesn't happen unless we yield ourselves to Christ and abide in the vine and keep our personal relationship with Jesus a real one. And he says, when we are trying to bear fruit and yield ourselves to Christ, whatever we need to accomplish this, the Father will give us. And I promise you, he'll answer that prayer every single time. God, give me what I need to be more like you. That's a dangerous prayer. You know why? When, when you grow grapes or you grow any kind of thing, you know what they need? One of the things they need, I've come, to, I've come to realize, they need fertilizer. You know what fertilizer is? What's fertilizer? It's just poo. Right? Am, am I, am I, do I, can I stand corrected, you know? You got to mix a little poo in the ground, you know, to make, make the grapes taste good. I don't know how it works. I, I read somebody the other day that said, you know, uh, every day I, I, I go out to my garden and I, I feed my pig fresh, fresh vegetables and magically he turns it into bacon. <laughs> I'm for that, you know. Praise God, I'm for that one. But sometimes what we need to grow the fruit is stinky. Maybe he's let some stinky people in your life or some stinky circumstances in your life and you don't understand why God has allowed it. Maybe it's some of your own poor choices. There could be a whole bunch of things mixed in there, but bottom line is you're not liking it very good. Well, I'll tell you what, if God's allowed that for you and he's making you kind of sit in there a little while, my guess is that somehow through this, God is trying to produce some kind of Christ-likeness in you. I would just prefer God would give me good stuff all the time. But I have found I don't learn a whole lot through that and I don't grow very deep or very sweet or anything else. Sometimes he gives us the water of the word. Sometimes he refills us with a fresh filling of the spirit of God and, and we have the spirit of revival. Sometimes he has to get us out of the dirt of the world as, as, the, as Jesus talks and, and gives us conviction when we hear God's word and repentance and then uh, to forgiveness, to restoration, to producing fruit. Sometimes the Bible, Jesus says you got to be pruned. I, again, I don't think I'd like to be pruned if I were a vine. Someone coming along, you know, big clippers on you, bomb, cut that off, you know. In, in your life, if you're going to produce good fruit, there's some things you have to cut out. Matter of fact, he'll cut them out if you let him. And some of you are listening to me right now. You know what it is. I just spent a week and a half on a boat, everybody drinking like crazy. I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. I'm telling you what. 
This isn't into my sermon. This is extra. It wasn't even in my notes, but I'm going to say it. Cut out the alcohol. You don't need it. Destroys lives. And there are things in your life, whether there's, there's, there's uh, grudges you're holding, there's unforgiveness of somebody who did you wrong and you won't let it go. Those are the things that the Spirit of God is going to come and bring conviction and want to cut out. And you'll never produce a lot of fruit unless you allow the Holy Spirit and you yield and make a stronger connection with you in Christ. We just need to abide. You know, I thought this week, last week when I was gone, I, I'm, I'm just going to say, as a pastor, we're in an interesting time in our culture, in the life of our church. And I just kept asking God, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with church right now. I don't know what we need to do to this building. I don't know if we need to add more rooms on this building. I don't know if we need to start new outreach programs, discipleship programs. I don't know how to solve some of the problems we have. I don't know. But what I do know, what I do know what I should do is I should abide. That I do know. And if you're a Christian here this morning, I don't care what circumstance you're in this morning, when you ask the question, what should I do? The answer is abide in the vine. You and Jesus have got to get closer. That's what's got to happen. That's what you should do. We need the person of Christ to come out through us. We need more Jesus. We need more passion. We need more of him. We need to remain. Let him fill us. You know, there's a familiar verse of scripture in Ephesians 5, and I'll end with this. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What should I do? Here's what you should do. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks. There's that joy again. Always for all things unto God and the Father, the husbandman, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the vine. There's the whole formula for how do I abide. And it begins with be not drunk with wine. The first day we were on the cruise ship, and as many of you know, Jenny and I are very experienced cruisers, and I have, we had not been on this particular ship, but we've been on a sister ships, and I know the floor plan of this ship. You know, it's funny when you first get on, that they're so big, and people who've never been on a cruise ship or never been on those, they have no idea where they're going. You know, oh, is this the front? Is this the back? You know, I just want a sign that says, where is the buffet? That's all I need to know. <laughs> what floor is the buffet on? Please, somebody tell me. Um, but I know right where I'm going. And my favorite place on this particular boat is in the, in the very front on the top. On this boat, it was deck 11, um, and it's called the Sky Lounge. And here's a picture of it. Um, and you can see it's windows from floor to ceiling, and this covers the entire front of the ship. So if you sit around the front there, you can see the bow of the boat, and you can just see everything. It's just beautiful. And during the daytime, a lot of times up here in the day, they play trivia games up here and stuff, but I'll, I'll get myself somewhere in one of the corners or something, and I get left alone, and it's one of my favorite spots. Well, the, the ship departed late um, from Boston. Uh, I don't understand what was going on, but we, were, we left like an hour and a half late. So everybody had been on the boat for several hours at this point. And Jenny and I, they finally saw some of the things, you know, we know the routine they do before we're ready to push off. So uh, we're getting ready. They're finally getting ready to let us go. Let's go up to the Sky Lounge and sit up there and let us leave. So we go up there, and it's kind of busy. There's people up all over, but we found some chairs actually near the center there on, on the Sky Lounge, and we sat down. 
And we're just sitting there kind of enjoying the view, blah, 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 blah. And over to our right, like two tables over, so maybe, you know, 10 feet away, was a group of four people, four uh, senior adults, probably in their mid-70s. And um, they were there discussing things. And Jen and I sat down, and a couple months later, I could tell that there's this lady over there. Um, like I said, she's probably 75 years old or so, something like that. But, you know, she was talking kind of loud. And I thought to myself, we've only been on the boat a few hours, and you're already drunk as a skunk. And she's talking over there, and she's talking loud about everything that she was going to do, but she would be talking along. It could be about anything. You know, we, you know we're, we're from, uh, you know, we're from, I got I to gotta pick a state that won't offend anybody. We're, we're, from, we're from Wisconsin. That'll offend Brock. <laughs> Matter of fact, I did mention that, Brock. I said I was in Boston. That's the only city I've ever been in that seems to like alcohol more than uh, Madison, Wisconsin does. They have more stuff in, in Boston than even Madison. But at any rate, this lady was drunk, and she'd be talking along about everything, and then right in the middle of talking, she, I, don't, for what, I don't know what reason, what triggered her off, but she would just go, oh, woof, 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 woof. Then she'd go back to talking, whatever she was talking about, you know, the neighbors, the neighborhood, the grandkids, I don't know, and, and about, I don't know, two minutes later, woo I'm not, I'm talking as loud as I'm using this microphone. I don't know how that woman was able to, she had a set of lungs on her, I can tell you that. And everybody's looking around. And finally, her husband, had, you know, he's kind of embarrassed about this. And Jenny, you know, you can feel everybody in the room trying to scoot away from this lunatic, you know. And, um, and the husband finally kept on, oh, you, know, you know, calm down, don't do that, don't do that. Oh, don't tell me what to do, you know. And, and so he finally got up and left. And she goes, let him leave. He can get over it. This is just what I do. Now, I'm going to be honest with you this morning, which I try to be honest with you every Sunday morning. The rest of the week, maybe not. But Sunday morning, I try to be honest with you. Um, the rest of the cruise, now, you know, I was on vacation, right? So I, when I go on the cruise ship, when I get on the cruise ship, I set my pastor responsibilities aside. And I get to just be Ken. I got that for that weekend, kind of. Really doesn't work that way, but I like to think so. The rest of the cruise... Whenever I would see this lady around the ship, the first time I saw her, I was kind of like, you know, but I watched her for a little bit over there from a distance, and you know, she seemed like the most dour, unhappy person ever. You know, kind of a little different than what I saw up there. But you all know me, I could not help myself. Every time I would walk by her in some, at the buffet, or she'd be over there, I'd walk by and I'd go, Every time throughout the cruise, Jenny was praying, please, Lord, when we leave this room, do not let us find this lady. I was only hoping we could have been on some excursion with her. So the whole afternoon, every time I saw her, I go to <laughs> This is what my wife, why she will earn plenty of stars in heaven for living with me. And the funny thing, the lady's looking at me like, how does he know? <laughs> And I'm like, you know, you irritated me. So the spiritual thing, the Christ-like thing to do. Sorry, I'm, I'm still human, but I, I had a wonderful time with it. I, I, I really did. I, I almost went out of the room looking for her. Maybe I can see, I called her the dog lady. Maybe I can see the dog lady, you know. Um, Jenny goes, no, please don't do that. You see, she was permeated with the wine and under its influence. We need to be drunk with the spirit filled with Jesus and under his influence. And if we were, would our words be different? Our attitudes may be different? Our actions? 
what would we do? You see, so many times I think we spend all our time, oh, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? What do I got to do? No, I think we got to refocus on, Lord, let me just abide in the vine and be Christ to those around me. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the teaching of your word this morning. It's been good to be back with the church family. Um, Lord, I pray that um, if there's one here today or one watching online that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, they've never been, uh, they had the new birth into the vine, my dear friend, I pray that you would receive the free gift of eternal life today. Jesus came and died for your sin, died on a cross, rose again, and offers you now eternal life if you'll simply believe him for it. But dear Christian, how about this morning? You know, you've been more focused on doing or being. Is your spiritual life one that's really predicated upon your personal relationship with the Lord? Or is it more predicated on the things that I have to do and the expectations there are? Holy Spirit of God, I pray that believers be encouraged this morning. Thank you for what you did in my own heart, my own life this week, and reminded me that I don't have to have all the answers. I don't know all the answers. But Lord, I do know that you want me to abide. So Lord, help me to remain. Help me to draw the nutrients from your word, from good music. And may your spirit produce the fruit in my life. Holy Spirit of God, I pray you'd seal decisions in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand with me? Brother Joe's going to lead us on a verse invitation this morning.